Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and we are broadcasting down here in Southern California. Um, my uh, flagship station down here is KPRAISE 1210 AM uh, in Southern California. And we're also on FM 106.1. And then of course, we're all over uh, YouTube, Facebook, all the social media platforms. So a lot of fun. And uh, the subject we're talking about today is incredibly relevant um, in our nation and uh, very, very important. And I have uh, my guest today is Eric Buer, one of my guests, and uh, he's been on the program before. I'll just tell you real briefly about him. He was a public school teacher before founding Gateways to Better Education. He's the founder and president. And he's a published author, nationally recognized authority on the subject of religion and public education. And uh, he's been uh, advocating for uh, religious freedom in public schools for a very long time. Uh, he's got all kinds of accolades from different leadership in the Christian community, including Chuck Colson, the former Chuck, or not former, but uh, Chuck Colson, who, who passed away, the head of prison ministry. Uh, he said, Eric is a unique and much needed voice in our country. What he is doing to equip parents and teachers is vital. I appreciate how he has kept me informed on education issues, which we've used frequently. And so um, that's just one of many, many uh, leaders. Uh, they work with Alliance Defending Freedom, the American Family Association, Family Policy Allowance, Family Research Council, Focus on the Family, all these fantastic organizations. Eric, thanks a lot for being on the program today. Thank you. Great to be with you. Absolutely. And then I also have a good friend of mine who's on uh, here with us today. And uh, he's a public school teacher right now, teaching class right now. His name is John Neal. He's been teaching for 18 plus years. He teaches world history, U.S. history, and government. And uh, just a fantastic guy uh, who loves the Lord and uh, just has been a, a consistent witness and testimony in the public schools all through. And I just thought it'd be great to have his perspective too as a sounding board. John, thanks a lot for being uh, with us today. Hey, blessed to be here and nice to see you all. Awesome. So Eric, um, you know, the big news here is, is that you uh, not too long ago actually met with uh, the administration, uh, President Trump and uh, Betsy DeVos um, discussing religious freedom in the public schools. Can you give us a kind of an update on what happened there and how yeah. you ended up in the, in the White House? Well, when, uh, when the Trump administration got into office, we began uh, lobbying the Department of Education, asking for them to update their uh, guidance on religious freedom. It hadn't been done in, in quite a long time. And uh, so, and actually what we were asking for was a lot of things when it first came into place that in 1995, the US Department of Education under the Clinton administration uh, published guidelines on explaining students and teachers religious freedoms. And then it was updated periodically. And in, in the Bush administration, unfortunately, they actually took some of those things out, not because they were against them. It's kind of a technical thing. It, it had to do with a law regarding prayer, and they wanted it just to be focused on prayer and not other issues of religious expression. But uh, we just appealed to the Trump administration to put back in a lot of the Clinton uh, material that was much more expansive on the idea of religious expression. And they did. Uh, it was a tremendous uh, experience uh, almost, but just over a year ago, uh, January 16th of uh, 2020. 20, yeah, 2020. Wow, time flies. Um, <laughs> got invited to go back. I did, had no idea it was going to be a White House announcement. I just thought, well, they're going to release the guidance and that's it. And I get this call and they come back to the White House. Uh, we'd like to do an Oval Office uh, uh, announcement about it. And so I was delighted to go back and, and honored to be a part of that. Uh, and uh, thank President Trump, thank Secretary DeVos for 
being so open to uh, continuing to defend religious freedom in, in the school arena. And uh, so now we've, we've launched the National Free to Speak campaign to, to really get that out there and, and get wide distribution of the guidance so everybody understands what is and isn't allowed in a public school setting. Yeah, and that was my question for you is, you know, all the way back in 1995, um, here Clinton is, uh, you know, emphasizing uh, the freedom of religion that people have in schools. Yeah. And I, I guess uh, my question for you, uh, Eric, is historically, um, why did they feel the need to do that? Was this an issue where people were feeling oppressed in, in schools? Where well, it's just and, and it's long been an issue. Yeah. And uh, teachers don't know. They, they bought into the lie that, well, because of separation of church and state, that means we have to basically keep our schools hermetically sealed off from anything religious. And, and that's just not the case. And even after, I mean, They've been around since 1995, and it's not like they created new laws. They simply curated what was out there and said, here's an explanation, very simple way to explain what can and can't be done in your classroom. But uh, I travel all over the country and speak to educators in every state, and I'd always ask them, how many of you have heard of this guidance? And no hands would go up. I mean, it was, it was just, it hadn't been distributed. It had been, it's on the website, but it, nobody knew about it. Yeah. So... That's why our goal is to really get this into as many hands as possible through churches, through student clubs, through organizations, and not only the guidance, but then also we're, we're just finishing up some videos uh, that teachers can show to their students, a little two-minute video that explains, here's what your religious freedoms are in class. And it's, it's, it's a civics lesson. You know, the First Amendment uh, protects religious freedom, and here's what those freedoms are right here in our school. And we have a, a faculty, a video for faculty that uh, they can then um, show to the administrator, the faculty and, and teachers understand because they don't want to have problems. So we have that. We have PowerPoint presentations that teachers can download and use in class. We have printed materials. Now with COVID and all, we've had to do a lot more virtual. So um, we have it in a, in a format like this. It's just a simple and it's not our opinion. These are quotations from the Department of Education's guidance. And we just put it down in very simple format. So it's easy. They can print it out. They can send it to their, their students uh, virtually. And uh, we just want students to understand they have the freedom to express themselves. Yeah, I love it. You know, and I think I find it uh, interesting that, you know, this is you, uh, your organization. You're not trying to change laws. You're just trying to make people aware of what the laws actually are. Yeah, as I often say, we just we just pull back the curtain and say, look, it's been here all this time. Yeah, you didn't know that it was here. Or, or another analogy I often use is, uh, we just want you to go the speed limit. Uh, if, if the freeway speed limit is 65 miles an hour, we don't want you to go 80. We just yeah. want you to go 65 or even 60. But some of you are going 30 and, and some of you aren't even getting on the freeway because you're so afraid. Yeah. So yeah. we just want to help <laughs> you understand how you can drive safely, but go the speed limit. That's I love it. Want. I love it. John, um, you know, you've been teaching for a long time, eight, over 18 years. And I'm just curious, um, you're a very outspoken person. You're definitely driving the speed limit in the, in the school. Absolutely. And, uh, and so uh, you just told a really uh, a great story um, just about a former student who, hmm. who uh, commented on your teaching. Can you share that with, uh, with our listeners? Um, what happened to you just recently? Yeah, sure. One, one of the things that a lot of teachers don't understand is the fact that we are not as limited, and as Eric said, there's this belief of separation of church and state, which I'm a history teacher. 
it does not exist. The separation of church and state is a misstatement because people don't understand that Jefferson was writing a letter about a state church. Had nothing to do with the federal government whatsoever. That all aside, we have a lot more liberty than people realize, but they are kind of cowed in some places. In some places, they're just ignorant. It's not even an anti-view of religion. They just are not told because in most college situations, they teach you the basic format of what you're going to do in education. Then you get your teaching credential, and it's very, very basic because they're being generic for the entire system, the entire world of education. Then you move into a school district, and the school district has their policies, state policies, their policies, and obviously some federal policies. Uh, I teach history. Therefore, it's almost impossible for me not to teach religion. I am actually required to teach religion by state standards uh, and by a local uh, our district standards. And what I, one of my students said to me today, we had lunch. It's been two years since he graduated. He came back, bought me lunch, really nice. And, uh, and we actually don't tell anybody. We went to a set-down restaurant. <laughs> and no, I will not reveal the name of the restaurant except unless you give me a special code, okay? Yeah. So but if you live in California, then, then you know what he's talking about. If yeah. you're in other states, then, you know, <laughs> you're, you're probably uh, and, like, what What do you mean? <laughs> and, and he commented to me, he said, you know, he said, now that he is learning himself, he's moving into a deeper relationship with God, checking out Jesus, what's this all about? He said to me, he said, I realize you taught us a lot of scripture and a lot of biblical things in your history class. And I said, well, yeah, because my job is to teach history. And those things are historical. I'm not being religious about it. I'm never allowed as a teacher to say, okay, you need to find Jesus to get an A. That, that's not allowed. But to express historically, that's my job. Yeah, yeah. Eric, can you speak to that? As you know, the, uh, what he just said, that we're not trying to uh, conflict with the school district. We're not trying to quote proselytize, right? right. Um, like you said, can uh, can you speak to that? The the whole difference yeah. between proselytizing and teaching the facts. Sure. There? It, to teach about religion is not the instruction in religion. Instruction in religion would be what you'd have in church and catechism uh, at a Christian school, that sort of thing. But to teach about it <clears throat> is, of course, that's just part of like you say, teaching history, teaching culture. <clears throat> And California, believe it or not, and one of the things that, that we do at Gateways to Better Education is we research every state's academic standards where the Bible and Christianity are expected to be taught. And then we put that into documents that we can use when we go into different states and equip the educators there and the parents there with all the things that actually can be done. Well, in California, it really is the gold standard when it comes to teaching about the Bible and Christianity. And people are shocked. They think, oh, no, that, that can't be California. And this is not from 1950. This is if you went to the California Department of Education's website today and looked these up, you'll see them right there. For instance, give you an example. Uh, well, people, for instance, are, are, have been outraged over Common Core, and I'm not going to get into the politics of Common Core. But what we look for is where is the Bible referenced? And it's referenced four times. Students, as they study English, and literature should understand how the Bible has influenced literature. That means they have to read it and become familiar with it. Then when you get to uh, sixth grade, here's what it actually says that students are expected to learn as they learn about the, er the period of Roman history and the birth of Christianity. And I'm quoting now, note the origins of Christianity in the Jewish messianic prophecies. Boy, it'd be great if even 
Christian kids learned that at church. Yeah, yeah. Note the origins of Christianity in the Jewish messianic prophecies, the life and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, as described in the New Testament, and the contribution of St. Paul the Apostle to the definition and spread of Christian beliefs. And then it says in parentheses, for example, belief in the Trinity, resurrection, and salvation. Wow, that's unbelievable. <laughs> and, and then in the seventh grade, now in uh, 2016, they were changing the framework. In California, they've got two things. They've got a framework, which kind of says, here's what students are supposed to be learning at this age at this grade level. And then the, the standards are therefore, and they kind of go into bullet points. These are all the things. So they can, they don't, it's really hard for them to change the standards. That's a big process, but they, every seven years, they can change the framework, kind of the description. So in 2016, they were going to change the descriptions of all the different grade levels for history. And they talked about uh, Jesus at that time. And they said that Jesus taught salvation through love. And so we appealed to them and we said, we don't know of any Christian church Catholic or Protestant that teaches salvation by love. How about salvation by believing in Jesus as Savior? And they said, okay, that's more accurate. And so they put that in. So wow. here's now what is expected in seventh grade. Through selections from biblical literature, students will learn about those teachings of Jesus that advocate compassion, justice, and love for others. He taught that God loved all his creatures, regardless of status or circumstance, and that humans should reflect that love in relationship with one another. Jesus shared the Jewish belief in one God, but he added the promise of eternal salvation to those who believe in him as their savior. That's from 2016. <laughs> yeah, people are like, wait, this must have been the early 1900s, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but here it is. And, um, you know, uh, we just got a comment. It looks like Brenna there said, um, uh, she said, she said, this is blowing my mind. <laughs> I, I love that because that's exactly right, is that people just are completely unaware of what is actually legal and possible in the schools. And the schools are, are a place where kids are dying to you know, hear good news, right? Yeah. Hear hope and, and be encouraged. And, uh, and so um, I wanted to ask also, um, she just said, where can we get more of this? So Gateways, um, Gateways to Better Education, you can visit their website. Uh, and uh, that's gogateways.org. Yeah, gogateways.org. And then just contact, you know, hit the contact button, contact us and send us an email and ask for your state's academic standards, our, our summary of your state's academic standards. We'd be happy to send that to you. That's great. And that's also, and you've got the free to speak campaign going on too, which I want to talk more about that too. But again, gogateways.org if you want to get more information to get in, in, in contact with Eric. Yeah. And um, I actually, Eric, I wanted to ask you, and also I want to ask John, um, you know, John, you're, you, you're pretty well aware of what is legal and what you're able to teach. Have yeah. you ever been in a situation where a teacher or an administrator came out and said, whoa, John, you are out of line here. Um, you shouldn't be able to, you, you shouldn't be talking like this. And, you know, how did you respond in that, in, in that kind of a situation? I've had it happen only one time, and it was from a parent complaint. And what I do so that we understand, my process of world history, I actually again, don't tell anybody, I teach outside of the state standards this way. What he just, uh, Eric just shared was about what they're to learn in sixth grade and seventh grade, et cetera. But the problem is they don't really learn that. And so when they come into my history class, 10th graders, 15 years old, they don't have that background. So I tend to take the history class instead of starting the Renaissance 1500s when 
state of California standards say you start, I spent about five or six weeks prehistory, going from the beginning of history all the way up to the Renaissance. In that, I teach about Judaism, the basic foundations of Judaism, the basic foundations of Islam, and again, we do Christianity because of the Roman Empire. I had one student who was very upset because I made a comment, and the comment was actually mistranslated. The parent was all upset. She said, well, are you teaching religion? And I said, well, of course I'm teaching religion. That's part of my requirements. And I, be a smart boy, I had my state standards with me, and I said, see right here. That's what I'm supposed to. So please help me to understand what the problem is. And they expressed some concerns. And I said, well, let's talk about what I actually said. What I actually said was, you need to understand, as history students, to understand the way Christians behave, what Christians believe. And I basically gave the full layout, has just spoken. Faith in Jesus Christ has, if through salvation, uh, the concept of Jesus being born of a virgin, the basic fundamentals of what every Christian would believe is what I had taught in the class. And ending it with, and the Apostle Paul goes on to preach this throughout not only Asia, Asia Minor, and also into Europe. Well, they took that to mean that I was espousing that every kid needed to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I said, my studies as a history teacher, I said, I personally, because my own personal walk, and Kevin, you and I have talked about this before, my own personal walk in the Lord, I was raised Catholic. I moved into a kind of a Protestant mode where I was in a, 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 a sorry, a, a Southern Baptist church, a Calvary chapel, an Assemblies of God. But in that process, I also challenged my own faith. And so I started reading Islam and the Torah, I mean, see, and the, uh, the Quran. I started reading about Hinduism and Buddhism. I was interested, but also I was checking my own faith out. What do I really believe? So as I told this parent, and the, we not only had the parent, we had the principal there and the two or three administrators there with me. I said, my job is to express to each of the students, to the best of my ability, my knowledge of what each of these religions believe. Now it's up for the child to make a decision what they want to do. That's not my job. I teach history. I don't proselytize for any religion, any religion. I simply teach the facts. Yeah. We, we call that uh, teaching by attribution. Uh, we recommend, you know, you attribute it to the source. So you there say, you Christians believe, or this person was motivated. Martin Luther King was motivated by his faith to do this. Right. And so you're attributing it. So you're helping them understand who these people are and how they were impacted by their faith to, to do what they did that made history. Exactly. Yeah. And, and um, Eric, you know, do, you know, cause you, you speak about this all over the place. You speak uh, around the country. Yeah. Um, and do you hear a few, uh, quite a few stories about teachers that are in a situation in which John Neal was in and then um, do they typically get the support of the administration or, you know, what if, what if the, the administration says, no, uh, sorry, <laughs> you, you can't teach yeah. this. Well, uh, my experience is over the years to see that um, administrators just don't want trouble. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, so if you can academically show them, if you can support, just like you did, John, where you say, here's the standard, here's what I'm teaching to, and here's the approach I take, then, then for the most, I, I really have never seen a situation where a school principal said, yeah, well, regardless, I don't want you to teach that. Right as long as you can help them. Uh, just to give you a quick story, up here in Irvine, we had a situation years ago where they had a, a homeschool, uh, public school 
um, mm -hmm. relationship so that students who are homeschooled could go and use facilities at the school and that sort of thing. And the school loved it because they were getting state money for having students on their roles. And uh, so these homeschoolers wanted to do a presentation, uh, a, a drama on Easter and, and, and do the whole reenactment of Easter and all of that. And the school principal, oh man, you know, I don't know if we can allow that. That's, that's like worship service here. On the... <laughs> so I, I sat down with him. I went through the standards and, and I said, um, you know, as long as there's an academic purpose for this, then, then what they're doing is a dramatic uh, expression or illustration of the historical thing that Christians believe about Easter. Mm -hmm. He goes, you know that? Okay, that, that makes sense. So he said, I'll let them do the drama, but then they need to explain why they're doing it and its connection to history. It's like, this is wonderful. Not only do they do the drama, now they get to explain more about it. But he was fine with it as long as he could tie it to academics. And that's what I find administrators. They just don't want trouble. Yeah, yeah. And do you actually, on your, way, on your website, gogateways.org, do you, do you have um, tips and you know, uh, basically guidelines for teachers so that they can kind of navigate this. Cause I'm sure for a yes. lot of them, they're kind of like, Whoa, I'm not sure if I'm crossing the line here or I'm not, you know, am I allowed to do this? Am I not allowed to do this? Yes. Yeah. We have all kinds of articles and research on this tips on how to do it. Uh, we also have an online, um, uh, professional development seminar that they can go through that explains in full detail, all the things that they think it's a four hour, um, webinar that they can go through and it really gives them everything they need plus all kinds of downloadable resources that they could use in their classroom yeah awesome okay and now also uh eric you have the free to speak campaign yeah. um can you tell us you know uh what what, what the uh impetus for this was and, sure. and uh, well, what you're hoping to what you're hoping to accomplish coming out of the white house um we realized as i, I said earlier in our experience that while it's great that the department of ed had these guidelines if teachers don't know about it, then it does no good. Right. And so we put together what we're calling the National Free to Speak Campaign. And that is to really saturate the schools with this information uh, from top to bottom and from bottom to top. So uh, for instance, when, when, and we're looking for 25 communities this year around the country who will say, yeah, we wanna bring this in. And it involves really, we call it now ministering to the body of Christ on a campus. Our operating philosophy is there are Christians who saturate the public schools, Amen. school board members, administrators, superintendents, uh, educators, teachers, parents, youth, par youth pastors. They're, they're throughout the public schools, but often they're kind of silos of excellence. They kind of do their thing and they don't really connect with others. What we want to do is really equip them so that they can do what God's called them to do with excellence in their area, but all in working together. Uh, so, for instance, a youth pastor in, in a, one of these communities where we're having the campaign, a youth pastor might teach his students, here's what your religious freedoms are in class. And then we're putting together what we call a 30 day challenge. Now live your faith out in class. Mm. Now that you know you can express your faith, how about you actually do it? And then every Sunday, he'll survey the students. How many of you did it? Any testimonies? He'll have students share and really inspire them to, to get out there and Either, you know, include it in your homework, mention it in a class discussion, talk about it in an oral presentation or share the gospel with a friend at lunch, something like that. And, and so then now you've got the youth pastor doing this. Then what if they go to their FCA club, their Fellowship of Christian Athletes club, 
And the same thing's happening in the club. The club uh, uh, youth leader is saying, hey, I want you guys to live your faith out on campus here. And he goes through our lessons on how to do that. And, and now they're even more encouraged to do it. Then they go to Mr. Neal's class and he says, hey, let me explain to you as a civics lesson what your religious freedoms are at school. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, I just want you to know that your my classroom, to use the uh, popular term now, my classroom is a safe place for you mm -hmm. to express your faith and you'll be affirmed and welcomed. We know that's an important part of your life if you're a person of faith, no matter what the faith is. We want you to feel that you have that uh, option here. We want you to connect your life to your learning. Amen. And so now all of a sudden the student's going, wow, I'm getting all this affirmation all around me. Then the school board, we have a model policy that aligns with the Department of Education's guidance. So now the school board, and there might be Christians or at least conservative or faith-friendly board members, will help uh, advise people in that community how to work with the school board to get that adopted. Because again, school boards just don't want trouble. Yeah. And if you can show them, hey, if you adopt these policies, you're going to have a whole lot less problems because uh, now everybody understands what the federal guidance is on these issues. Mm -hmm. um, then we've got training for administrators on how to help make sure that their practices and their policies are in place at their school level. So we really want to equip. We know that there are Christians and faith-friendly educators throughout the system. We yeah. want to equip them so that they're really changing the whole tone of, of the uh, campus. And then uh, where there are existing campus ministries, we want them to flourish. We've had a campus ministry contact us and say, you know, we would like to work with you because while legally a school has to allow us, it's not really a very friendly environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We would like to have a much more faith-friendly environment. And mm -hmm. your program can help create a more faith-friendly environment that means our club will flourish. And then, by the way, when you're working in communities where they don't have campus clubs, would you recommend our club that the local churches could help us start clubs on those campuses? So this wonderful body of Christ working together, and that's what we want to see done with the, the National Free to Speak campaign. We'd love it. We'd love to bring it down into the San Diego area and, uh, and impact schools in that region. And we're looking for people who say, yes, I'd like to become an advocate. And we have somebody on our team who that's all he does is coach advocates on how to do this. So you're not just, you know, okay, here's all the information. Hope you're successful. See you next year. Yeah. No, we, we're with you. We're doing Zoom calls with you. We're helping you through every step of how to organize this, how to put it together, how to build a team. What do you do first? What do you do second? And we'll help you bring this into your community. That's so great. You know, um, down here in, in uh, San Diego, there's a lot of Christians are upset about some of the policies and and things that are being passed in the public schools, uh, some of the stuff that's being taught to kids that, um, you know, they think, hey, this is not appropriate for kids to be to be learning this kind of stuff. And and there seems to be a pretty aggressive agenda um, to, in some sense, indoctrinate kids is what it seems like with a lot of uh, values that are very contrary to Christianity. Um, how do you how do you advise teachers in that regard when it comes to like um, you know, conflict over yeah. maybe issues that are, that are controversial, gender issues and these sorts of things. Um, do you have any advice for teachers as they navigate that? Because it seems like a, a real natural way of conflict. Uh, you know, yeah. if somebody says, hey, I, I'm advancing Christianity and then there's this, this conflict, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, here's the thing. A lot of what is now being pushed really violates somebody's religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so, for instance, we're encouraging if a student is a, a strong Christian and believes that there are only two genders, um, one of the nice things about the new guidance from the federal government is that it makes it clear that students' religious perspectives cannot be discriminated against. Right. So if a student says, wait a second, <clears throat> I believe God created Adam and Eve, there are two genders, and, uh, mm -hmm. and they can't be shut down. Uh, we also have a, a, a guidance here in California that you can't um, diminish someone or make fun of someone's mm -hmm. religious faith. Mm -hmm. And so students can stand strong on this uh, and teachers can also, teachers who are believers or, or feel like for a matter of conscience, they, they can't go this way, can simply say, look, I want my class to be much more inclusive. Mm -hmm. And you're asking me now to push a particular agenda mm -hmm. that is going to alienate any uh, Protestant, Catholic, the Hispanic community, all the Catholic kids, uh, Christian Korean uh, families, uh, Muslim students, Jewish right. students, right. traditional Jewish students. Mm -hmm. You're offending this whole group uh, of people because you want this one ideology pushed in the school. And so as a matter of balance, um, I just, I can't do that. Uh, on a practical level, uh, teachers, you know, you have a lot on your plate and sometimes you just forget to address certain things in your, uh -huh. in your class. Yeah. I had a teacher uh, just the other day contact me and said, man, I'm supposed to teach this. I'm, you know, a health teacher and I've got to teach this section on sex ed. And boy, I can't agree with the videos they're trying to get me to show and the, some of the things they want me to teach. And I said, well, you know, you've got a pretty full plate of all kinds of things and some things you just can't get to. <laughs> and, and it is, um, there's biblical, um, precedent for this if you look at the hebrew midwives they were told by pharaoh kill all those babies as soon as they're born and <clears throat> and they just ignored it and then they turned around and said well the, you know these hebrew wives are just too strong for us they give birth really quick and we're, yeah. we can't do it fast enough and <laughs> so they just resisted uh and so there are going to be situations where as a public school teacher and a person of faith you may have to say, I'm just not going to do that. And, um, and it may come down to you're willing to face the consequences of that. Uh, a lot of times when you close your classroom door, you know, people don't know all you're saying or not saying in your classroom. Right. Um, but you also have to decide, yeah, will I stand up for this? And, yeah, yeah. and it might be a court battle that you need to go to. And then there are all kinds of legal organizations that would be delighted to take it on and, and uh, uh, defend that person for free. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. if, if I might, Kevin. Yeah, John, go ahead. One of the things that, that I started teaching 18 years ago when I was hired, the lady who is actually our new, our superintendent now this year was the principal who hired me. And she asked me, because I was a actually a third career teacher. I didn't start teaching until I was in my 40s. And she said, well, you know, this, that, and the other about all the rules and policies. I said, great, I understand. I said, I'll always follow rules and policies, but understand I work for a different boss. And I told her that up front before she ever hired me. And she laughed and she looked, she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, my first obligation is to what I believe God has told me to be as a man, as a human being, as his son. So I will do, always do that first. 
but I will never intentionally violate the rules that that's not my, that's not my gig. Uh, but the fun thing, which you mentioned, I think is really important. And a lot of people don't understand the fundamental beliefs we're talking about in terms of the sex education aspect is the fact that this is something, and I do this quite often. I say, guys, understand what you feel is your business. No one else's business. And in the gender arena, if you feel this, you feel that, well, that's your choices. But understand your feelings don't make something true. Facts make something true. So we, as we discuss God within the classroom, quite often the, the conversation will come with my kids. They'll say, well, Mr. Yell, I don't believe that. And I go, okay, that's, that's fine. What I'm telling you is, is what to the best of my knowledge is historical evidence is true. Your belief in it has nothing to do with whether it's reality or not. And I will use what you said, which is important, I think, and understand that this is the fundamental beliefs of Jews, Muslims, and Christians. Because all three of them in the arenas that many of the things you're talking about, Kevin, uh, sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera, all three of those fundamental religions have the same basic concept in it. And so, again, it's the place of saying, do I then, you're asking me, and no one's asked me in my school district, never one asked this. But when we get to that place, which I believe one day could come, it'll be, you're asking me to violate the First Amendment rights of my students of faith and their free exercise of religion right. for the feelings of some people. I, I can't do that. And if it means a lawsuit, it means you know losing my position and my job, well, that's, that's life in the big city. But there is that ability to also say, here's what the system says. Here's what you've already created. I'm simply following the rules of what you've already told me to do. Yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, the, and by the way, there's educators are given conflicting guidance. The On the one hand, they say, your classroom should be inclusive of all students. It should be a welcoming and affirming place for all ethnicities and all cultures. Mm -hmm. Well, that would include religious cultures too. Absolutely. But then on the other hand, and we want you to teach this particular view on this gender issue. Mm -hmm. So wait, now I've got two things in conflict here. And, and so you can thread that needle, like you say, John, but saying, look, I, I'm gonna, of those two directives, I've gotta come down on the side of most of my students believing this and I don't want to, I wanna be culturally sensitive, culturally responsive to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not going to go there. And, and uh, just quickly, Kevin, if I could, the, the other aspect that is in my classroom, my kids learn day one, this will be a classroom where we will respect each other, That's where right. we can speak whatever we choose to speak, as long as we do it politely, we're not attacking people, and whatever you believe, it's okay for you to believe that. That is not, that's why I think part of the reason it's not been a problem with us religiously or other topics in my particular classroom, because every one of my kids know. I, I had a, a recent situation on Facebook where I posted something, and a former student challenged me. Oh, you're bigoted, you're racist, you're homophobic, da, da, da. Well, I happened to have a young lady who was, uh, called herself a lesbian. Okay. She came online and defended me. And she said, wait a minute, you know, Mr. Neal, mm -hmm. you may not agree with him, but you know, in his classroom, whether you are gray or straight or whatever you are, you are respected and you're treated and expected to be treated with respect. Yeah. So the ability to lay that out ahead of time. So if any conflicts do come down the road, say, well, wait a minute, day one, my students learn we respect each other. And if a child is 
different other than whatever you want to call it at that particular journey, they already know they respect that kid. As long as that kid doesn't become violent and doesn't try to hurt anybody else. And in my classroom, we have a rule, which is no screaming or yelling. Because we'll talk about in government class, we'll talk about abortion issues. We'll talk about all sorts of things. And all of a sudden, the volume starts going up. I go, stop. Yeah. We don't do screaming and yelling, Mr. Neal's class. If you cannot express yourself without screaming and yelling, you probably don't have a valid opinion. So let's go back to what I believe, and now we can discuss it. Yeah, that's great. And that's our Christian witness. I mean, that's that's what we're doing. We're, we are uh, representing Christ well through caring, concern, and love. And uh, for those of you just tuning in, my guest is Eric Buer. He's from Gateways to Better Education and uh, speaks all over the country. Just uh, not too long ago, met with President uh, Trump and Secretary DeVos. And uh, uh, he's uh, gogateways.org is his website if you want to find out more about your state's uh, regulations when it comes to education and religious freedom in education. And you can also check out the National Free to Speak campaign, which uh, is, a, is an effort in order to make people aware. And Eric, um, you know, it sounds like to me, the main issues we're dealing with here are, uh, like you, you've been saying, it's making people aware of the laws that already exist. It's not trying to change the laws. And then it's also helping people not to be fearful about where that line is, because that's what keeps a lot of people from being able to yeah. um, uh, essentially use their religious freedom uh, in, the, in the schools uh, to be a, a force for good and an influence for good. Um, what other areas are there that, that teachers have freedoms um, to maybe uh, do something or share something in class, but um, are largely unaware of that um, mm. they just shy away from simply because they, they are uh, completely unaware that it's totally legal? Well, uh, for instance, uh, teaching about holidays. Uh, a lot of teachers shy away from that or only focus on the secular aspects of a holiday. That's just not a good cultural lesson. I mean, be truthful about here's what the holiday is about and here's why Christians uh, believe it's important. And a couple of things when it comes to holidays. One is, uh, you, if you're going to teach about Christmas and Easter and that sort of thing, you don't have to give equal time to all religious holidays. Yeah, you hear people say that all the time that, hey, if you're going to teach about one, you've got to teach about all. And then yeah. they kind of say, so let's teach about none. Yeah. And what I talk about is proportionality. Uh, as it's proportional to uh, you, the country, as it's proportionally related to your community and even your classroom. I mean, if you've got a, a Hindu student in your class, but that's not a big population in your community, but it would still be good for classmates to understand what Hindus believe and what they celebrate and what's important to them. So it's proportional to its relationship to your community, your country, and your classroom. Uh, the, uh, the other thing is when you're teaching about the holiday, uh, again, as I, I talk about teach about by attribution, here's what Christians believe. I had a teacher once use our material on teaching about Easter. She taught all about the resurrection and what that was and, and why that's significant. And, and uh, she had kids doing art project, kind of depicting the resurrection and that sort of thing, all perfectly legal. And then one of her students said, Mrs. So-and-so, is, is, did this really happen? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, that's the line you crossed. You went the speed limit. Yes, you were going over the speed limit. It's not yes, it's that's why this is so important to Christians. They believe this. And so you're, again, you're not 
saying this is a religion that you need to follow. You're saying this is a significant religion in our country or in our community. And I want you to understand why people celebrate this holiday and why it's so important to them. So holidays, you can teach all about the religious aspects of them, as long as you're not appealing to students that they should, they should celebrate it. I recommend teachers talk about acknowledging the holiday, not celebrating the holiday, because not everybody will celebrate that holiday, but you can certainly acknowledge it and teach all about it. Yeah. So and that's and another one that um, I, I overheard a, a teacher talking about one time was, um, where do I draw the line in, in telling about my own beliefs? Like if I'm starting off my kicking off my class and I'm, yeah. I'm telling them about my life and who I am, am I allowed to talk about my religious beliefs or is that violate, uh, is that, is, is, am I, you know, stepping over the bounds there? Uh, no, uh, what I say is, um, be honest about who you are, but, and so if that's just part of who you are and you want to explain that, or you talk about, hey, we go to so-and-so church here in the community or something like that, that's fine. If a student asks you about your beliefs, uh, again, I tell them, be honest, but be brief. So if they say, you know, if you're teaching about Easter, for instance, and they say, well, do you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? You could say, well, I'm a Christian and, and that's important to me. And then move on. Don't say, Therefore, let me share with you how you too can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. No, that just because they ask the question doesn't open up that you can do anything you want. So you can be honest, but be brief. Um, and again, you're not trying to proselytize. Mm -hmm. My encouragement to teachers is uh, to focus on substance over symbolism. There you go. A lot of times I'll hear teachers say things like, you know, well, I, uh, I, I had one. I heard one teacher saying how, when a student answers a question correctly, I say hallelujah, and because I know that eventually they're going to ask, well, what does hallelujah mean, and then I can share with them. It's like, okay, but you're an English teacher. How about you talk about how the Bible has impacted literature and all the metaphor and symbolism, and also mm -hmm. students actually appreciate biblical metaphor, symbolism, and stories as it relates to your subject matter. I find that too many Christian teachers, unfortunately, try to just kind of bring the church into their classroom. Others will say, well, I play Christian music in the background while they're doing their homework. Okay, uh, that has nothing to do with, I would much rather that you teach them about Christianity as it relates to your academic topic. Had a, had a principal, school principal, elementary school, uh, I was speaking up at a forest home a family camp and afterwards he came up to me and he said, uh, you know, I'm a principal here in California and I'm thinking about putting the 10 commandment plaque on my wall in my office. And I just wonder if I could do that and so forth. And I said, wait a second, elementary year, sixth grade. Yeah. Sixth grade. I said, okay. Uh, did you know, and I quoted in the state standards regarding Judaism where they're supposed to learn about the 10 commandments mm -hmm. and Christianity. And I said, okay, how about instead of you putting the plaque on your wall, you make sure your teachers understand that this is what they're supposed to be teaching and they spend a week teaching about it. Wow. wow I'd never thought about that. Mm. And so I find just a lot of times we kind of think Christianly rather than intellectually or academic about yeah. our topics. And that's where we get in trouble when we do those sorts of things. And that's a great point you just made for administrators, for those who are hearing this and are administrators or in, in, in um, some role in the office or whatever it might be, that that's a big part of what they can do is simply make their teachers aware 
of, hey, this is what's available to you. And you have all kinds of literature that, that uh, can be passed out at school to show people specifically what they can teach. And uh, that's fantastic. Um, well, we are, we are running out of time here. So um, Gateways uh, to Better Education, Eric Buer, John Neal, good friend of mine. He's uh, 18 plus years. Uh, John, um, do you, would you be willing to give out your email or anything to people who want to just We know uh, what, where the connector is. Uh, the ministry thing that I do uh, is a thing called Sealed Team. Sealedteam.com. It's a prayer thing. It's an open thing. But if anybody had any questions, any teachers that might be interested in asking questions, because one of the things that I really love and I'm going to talk to Eric about later on is as he's doing these trainings that they do, boy, I'd sure love to say, and if you've got that person now who's done the train in El Cajon, maybe they'd be willing to be kind of a mentor helper to other teachers in that area. And I'm more than willing, uh, you know, again, as I was saying, what we were talking about with the whole religion thing, one of the things I always do is at the end of Christianity, yeah, again, teach all the religions, but at the end I say, hey guys, you know, here's this, here's the fundamental beliefs of Christians. And inevitably I'll have one student, and I believe it's a God thing, obviously. I have one student who'll say to me, Mr. Neal, so Jesus was real. I go, yes. And they go, does that mean he's God? And I go, oh, that's faith. I don't teach faith. I teach history. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Just to make sure. So if anybody has anything sealed, S-E-A-L-E-D, sealedteam.com, be happy to talk to anyone. That's awesome. Well, Eric, um, thank you so much. GoGateways.org. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Um, your ministry is invaluable. I just uh, can't emphasize that enough. Uh, and it's unique. Uh, what you're doing is so unique. There's not a lot of ministries out there doing this. And uh, so if you're, if you're listening and this is uh, kind of lighting a little fire in your heart, um, please get involved. Um, there's so many ways to make a difference and be involved. And uh, the, the impact is tremendous, um, what it can do to kids in school who are desperate to hear the hope uh, and the real history, because that's the amazing thing about Christianity is that it's grounded in real history, yeah. right? The places in the Bible, you can go visit them. They're all there. You can go to Jericho. You can go to the Red Sea. You can go to, uh, you know, uh, Nineveh, all the different places. They're all there. That's what I, I find so amazing about the Bible. It's so easy to um, show people, Hey, this is, this is the real deal. <laughs> you know, this is just not, isn't some just mythical, uh, idea out there. So, um, thank you, John, also for being on the program and, uh, you guys are a huge blessing and, uh, I'll continue to point people in, uh, your direction. So thanks again. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay. Thanks for listening. Everybody that was here with us, we'll be back again next week. We've got all kinds of fantastic shows on educateforlife.org. Got over a hundred different interviews with people all over the world. Um, doing amazing things. Uh, just interviewed a nuclear chemist a couple weeks ago on how uh, chemistry actually validates uh, the truth of the Bible and um, what the Bible teaches in history too. So that's a pretty, that was uh, Dr. Jay Weil uh, checked him out. So you can check that out too. And uh, all kinds of other good information out there for you to uh, check out. So thanks again for being here and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>